Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. If your cable suck, it can't transfer any of that data or good looking image or audio to begin with. And so now it sucks. So <laughs> even as a video person, it's audio first. And then from there, like make sure you have a, a system of stuff that works and you can pick and switch between any camera. Hello, my name is Ian Addison Gray. And in this episode of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast, I'm joined by the fabulous Diana Gladney. We're talking about the top cameras and lenses for live streaming. Let's get on with it now. Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of confident live video. Optimize your mindset and communication and increase your confidence in front of the camera. Get confident with the tech and gear. And get confident with the content, content and, and marketing. marketing. Together, we can go live! Well, hello, welcome to episode 139 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. I can't believe we've got 139. What's gone on there? It just seems like yesterday when I launched this show. And it does show that once you have that plan and you have this goal to be consistent, you can do it. Because uh, I, I never thought I'd be able to do this. You know, I'd had like a failed podcast in the past and, and I was very good at starting things, but not carrying through. But I had a plan and I did it and I'm at 139 and it's... Yeah, it's great. I love what I do. I was just talking to Diana just before we started broadcasting about the fact, you know, being an introvert, sometimes we need a bit of a break. And I feel, listening to my body, I just need a bit of a break next week. I've got loads of exciting and exciting things happening in uh, in October. So I'm going to have a week off. The podcast will still be happening, but uh, we'll be with you on the live show the week after that. Um, oh, my! apparently my voice is going weird. There's major distortion on the audio. Oh dear. I know what's happened. Is that better? That was one of my sound effects that I had for later. <laughs> and it and it inadvertently switched itself off. <laughs> that's hilarious. Anyway, there we go. There we go. That's that's what happens. Anyway, D Diana is, is waiting patiently in the background. It's time to bring in Diana. Um, so... <laughs> Not a great stop. Anyway, uh, Diana helps busy entrepreneurs simplify video creation so they can amplify their business and their brand using video. She takes the seemingly complicated topic of video marketing and tech tutorials and makes them so simple and easy that anybody can share their purpose, their message, and their business with those who need it most. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for... Thank you. Thank you, thank you for bearing with me on that one. That's that's hilarious. That's hilarious. No worries. Yeah. So, I mean, people, people in the chat just before uh, Haley says there is major distortion on the audio. Uh, somebody in the Facebook group says, "Ian, your voice has gone a bit weird." That's understatement <laughs> of the century. <laughs> uh, Dr. Elo, your voice sound is robotic. There are two, two soundtracks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for your help. But you know, sometimes things go wrong, don't they, Diana? I mean, I'm sure, sure. you've had. Uh, what's been your What's been your disaster story when uh, on live? Have you had any disasters, or has it all gone perfect? Oh yeah, no, no, not not at all. It's uh, <laughs> it's usually like everything goes well. You're starting off perfectly. All of your energy is exactly the way that you want to. No audio, just none. And then that's how I found out like a cable had a short in it, and so I'd be talking, it'd be great, and then it go out. So we didn't know if it was a ghost in the room or what, but it wound up just being the cable. <laughs> And it's always when you share the most amazing thing, isn't it? When it's when there's yep. no sound, it was your best ever work. Uh, right. <laughs> it's always, always the way. So anyway, thank you everyone for, for bearing with me. That was quite funny. Thankfully, with the podcast, 
we won't have any of that because it will have recorded the two tracks um, simultaneously. But anyway, Dino, great to see you. Um, let, let us know, where, where are you dialing in from today? I am coming in from St. Louis, Missouri, home of the St. Louis Cardinals. Awesome. And, and you had to explain that to me because like being a, yeah. a, Brit, a Brit who's like not really into any sport, just for any of the non-Americans, non-sporty people, explain. So the St. Louis Cardinals is our famed and prized baseball team here. We used to have the St. Louis Rams, but they left us. So that's a sad story. But no, the the Cardinals is our uh, baseball team. So you always see like with the Cardinal red and all that extra other stuff. So it's it's awesome. Awesome. So are you, are you quite a sporty person? Are you into sports? Not at all, but I do support our, our, our teams here. <laughs> oh, it's a bit like me. I, sh- I, you know, living near Manchester, I should, I should support either Manchester United or Manchester City. And I kind of like, I'm not really into it all. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> we're, we're not here to talk about that. Um, I'd love to know, how did you get into what you're doing today? I think I came across you, first of all, on YouTube. You've got an amazing YouTube channel. Search for Diana Gladney on YouTube and you'll find Diana's uh, amazing YouTube channel. You do so many great videos. I discovered you talking about cameras, would you believe? Mm-hmm. And uh, But then we're also very much involved with the Ecom Live community. I know that you love Ecom Live and the community there is amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, tell us your potted history. How do you get into what you're doing today? Yeah, so it actually started very begrudgingly. So I was not into cameras. I didn't even have one past the one my mom gave me when I was looking for college. Didn't know how to operate that, never at the manual. Just, you know, point it, click it, and like hope that it was good. So uh, I got started in video um, at the request and demand of my coach that when we first started working together, he told me, you need to get started using video. And I'm like, clearly you don't understand. Like, I don't do video. I don't take pictures. Facebook, you know, hadn't been around that long. And I'm like, okay, well, I just recycle like the same six, seven photos. I'm not, you know, like every six months, every once a year, maybe keep switching it around. Like I'm not taking photos or doing any of this stuff. And, but on the inside though, I knew like I didn't hire him for me to remain the same person. So he said, do video. I had all that internal dialogue of no, no, this is who we are and blah, blah, blah. And before I knew it, I, I went on later that day and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. He's like, you going to do it? And I'm like, I am going to do it. So I walked around the house, got my phone, doing all the thing. I'm like, how do people find what looks good behind you or what, like, how am I supposed to hold this thing? Like it was complete disaster. Eventually went to my car because I'm like, it's quiet there. I had to turn the air conditioner off. So it's like 90 degree heat. So I got the Whitney Houston lip sweat beads going on. It just like, it's hot. And so you are sitting there the whole time you're like, God, lady, how am I going to deal with this? did like a 60 to 90 second video, posted it to the face Facebook group for his coaching group and looked back at it. And I said, you know what? That wasn't that bad. And so it was from that experience that I noticed so many <laughs> problems that I kept having to keep doing these videos. And he challenged me to do like 30 videos. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> it's like, so every few days, needs to be posting a video talking about something and what your, what your brand and business is. And it wasn't camera stuff. I was, it was about small business uh, marketing uh, as well as, you know, uh, um, personal development. And so I'll be talking about stuff like that. And I'm like, I like what I'm talking about. I don't like the way it looks and sounds. And I kept just noticing problem after problem. The videos and the way YouTube is now is not how YouTube was five, six years ago. And so it wasn't that people weren't, making great videos. It just wasn't for an entrepreneur. Either they were a photographer or they were some kind of videographer or cinematographer or something. I'm like, I'm not trying to make a movie. 
I'm not trying to make a profession out of this per se. I just wanted to have a good looking video so I can actually make good videos for, you know, my business at the time. But the more I uncovered more problems and I'm like, well, I'm going to produce the video that shows the answer on the how to do this. And I just fell in love with the, the, the video stuff and helping people make it simple because again, it's like use too much jargon, too much language with photography, or you're assuming that people know what the end it's like, nobody knows the heck that they're doing. So yeah, you had like YouTube teachers and stuff, but I'm like, it's not just about YouTube either. So that's how I got started into like making the video content. My audience and community loved that more. I fell more in love with that than what I was talking about previously and eventually made that shift over to just doing video content, but to simplify it. So again, like that, who I was back then, you can get back to the business of why you just wanted to learn this stuff to begin with, to make good videos for your business, to amplify your brand. Yeah, I, I, I love that, that you've got, you've got this focus on making things really simple because there's so much stuff out there, content, that I think people come from the the point of view, they, they forget what it was like to learn the stuff mm. and then they just kind of share where they are now. My, my son's actually doing a really good job. He's, he's, um, he's, he wants to be a YouTuber and he's like, mm. well, he's a YouTuber. He's doing Minecraft stuff. And nice. I've been really helping him. Like, don't just share all the stuff that you know now. Like re remember what it was like when you first started using Minecraft. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's so important. Now you, you mentioned that one of the first things that you mentioned actually, and that was your coach. And for a lot of people, that's almost like the last thing that they mention or the last mm -hmm. thing that they think about that people are trying on their own. How important is having a coach or how important was it for you having that coach, having that, that person outside of it? It sounds like it was because it sounds like you were a bit like me, a reluctant video person. <laughs> you needed that kick. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. So my, my thing was we grew up in my family. You always had some kind of authority figure that was more of a mentor or somebody to get outside of the, your thinking, because uh, one of the, the things that we learned is that your best thinking, your best education, all of your bests have gotten you to where you are today. But usually when you're setting a goal is to get you to a place that you've never gone before. And sometimes, and a lot of times you can't do that, even with the best knowledge that you have, you can pursue it, maybe pull it off some kind of way, but you're going to go in a, a, a squiggly kind of a line instead of something a little bit more direct, not that you still won't have challenges or that things still won't fail, but at least, you know, you're on the path that makes the most sense to getting the results that you want. So I always had a mentor in whatever thing that I was doing from like being in middle school and high school, school, even outside of my parents and stuff, it would always be somebody that was a figure that I could go to, to get that extra information. And so uh, a mentor, when I first got started in, in business for the, what I'm doing now kind of stuff, I'm, I knew when I got into consulting work, like I know my stuff, but that doesn't mean I know how to do this online. I'm a consumer of online stuff, but that doesn't know I know how to bring my brand or even develop a brand online. So the first thing I did was look for a coach. And surprisingly enough, I went to YouTube and he showed up with a tremendous amount of videos for every question that I answered or every next question I wanted to answer or think of, he already had a video for it. So I could learn from him. So I eventually contacted him hired him uh, as my business coach. And even though he wasn't like this video expert at all, he was producing a massive amount of content for his business. And so it made sense um, to have a coach and I've always had one every step of the journey. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pivotal, I think, for anything you're trying to do. 
I agree with you. I think so many of us try and do it on our own and we we need to kind of realize we, for most people, I think it's a real struggle. We need to have somebody else helping us. We need mm-hmm. somebody who's our cheerleader, somebody who is gives us that kick at the backside when we need it. Yep. And that's definitely been the case for me. And I love it the way that he found your coach on YouTube. You know, he was sharing all this amazing content. Some people say like, if don't share all your amazing content online, because like, if you share everything, like, People aren't going to hire you because they've got all the content that they need. (laughs) And you've just explained in a really great way why that is absolutely a load of rubbish. Um, So uh, just to say, uh, Garen is on uh, watching on LinkedIn. He says, technology is good until it doesn't work properly. Uh, Very wise words. Absolutely. And he says, he's asking a question. No love for the St. Louis Blues. Oh, I do love the blues. I just don't have any. Uh, I think I had one hat, maybe, but I don't have any merch for him. Unfortunately, I probably should do better with that. But I love the St. Louis Blues. We bleed blue around here. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. But it, it's yeah, I, this is a conversation that I know nothing about. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so what are you? What are you doing? What are you? So what is your focus on these days? You've got this very successful YouTube channel. Can you just explain like your business now? Um, and I'd love to know like when you first started, did you have any idea? that you would be as successful as you are now? No, um, I think I'll, I'll do the, I'll answer the questions in reverse because that way it'll kind of, yeah. I can I can trek along with it a little bit better in my mind. So when I f- was getting started in this business, I was doing consulting work. Uh, my, my passion has always been, I believe that everybody has a purpose and the more that we all get in our lanes and do our purposeful work, the better the world becomes. Like it's some of those issues that we, see on TV or even see like online and stuff. And like somebody needs to do something about that. A lot of times that somebody in something that you're very, you know, passionate about more or less might be you in some capacity to fill that gap. And so I was working at the bank full time when I got started doing all of this stuff. I had no idea that it would turn into all that it has, you know, morphed into now. But I will say I'm, I'm extremely blessed and, and grateful that it has because it more so helps me to even like 10x what I initially thought. Yeah, I'm thinking help people understand the the basics to to set up a company, build themselves up to get the courage to go out there and do it. And so now this of the work that I'm doing is next level in the sense that the what I do in my company and what we teach now is still consulting work, but it's not about helping you get that initial step of starting your company and getting personal development stuff is now you have that company. You're, you've are you been established maybe for a few years or you could be extremely successful, but you suck when it comes to bringing that brand online to amplify your vision using video. Now, if you're not using video, my thing is that I get it. You're probably where I was so many years ago where you're not trying to become a videographer and you're not trying to become this person that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like we're not trying to build these I don't know, Fox Studios kind of a a thing. We just want something that looks good so we can show up for our business. And so my whole purpose has been to help to simplify that process so that you actually can reach wider and connect deeper with the people who need your stuff, who need your products and your services. So that's what we focus on uh, in the company right now. That's awesome. And it's like what we were talking about earlier, that do not ever lose sight of what it was like when you first started. And it sounds like you, you still remember that, that th- those days when you were scared about getting in front of the camera, use the word courageous, uh, you know, I think, or courage, I think it was. And I think that is important because it is stepping for, for some people, some people just love getting in front of the camera and it's 
like really easy for them. For, but for so, so many of us, it took a lot of effort, a lot of energy and can mm. still do. I mean, it's still for me as an introvert, it, I think we, we were talking about this earlier, that it does have take a lot of energy out of me. And I think you would say the same when you're going mm. live, particularly I don't quite need to have a lie down, but sometimes I might feel like it. Um, just before we get on and talk about tech, I do want to ask you about another thing that we share in common, and that's music. That mm. uh, you've got, uh, you, you're quite, you quite into the classical music side of things. So tell us a bit more about uh, what you you do in music and what your background there is. Yeah, so my background in music has been I've been playing instruments since I was in Guinness. It wasn't I wouldn't say like kindergarten, but for sure I think you had to be like in first or second grade or something before they would let you start to play music or maybe even third grade. And so around that time frame, I took a real interest uh, in music. And so I don't know what my music teacher at the time in grade school's background was, but I would sometimes come in and everybody knew her to be mean, but I'm like, I always take the assumption, I will judge you on my experience with you because I don't know what all the factors were with somebody else, even as a kid, I was super nerdy. So I would walk, I would come into class early uh, for music class, just like general music. And she would always be playing the the keyboard. And so I would ask her, I'm like, Mrs. Hall, like, can you explain this? And, you know, like, what about that? And so that spending time with her always developed into, like, I learned so much, but I also like would learn music. So I started the recorder, graduated from the recorder to the clarinet. The clarinet took me into like all these different events and stuff. And so it was just something that was extremely fun that never left. So eventually, you know, went on to uh, get a Fulbright scholarship when I went to college and that was in band. But in high school, I would play, uh, I was the, the section leader for the clarinets. Um, and then I was so co-section leader because my best friend at the time was the section leader there. That was her main instrument for the alto saxophones. And so I was a saxophone section in, uh, as a whole, but I would write music for pep band. And um, that was like a huge honor for me because the stuff that people wanted to hear on the radio, I had no clue. I'm listening to it was like 98.7 or whatever, the jazz station here in St. Louis. And between that and classical music, they like, well, can we play this? I'm like, what, what is that? What song is it? Who is it? <laughs> Who is it by? So it just let me lean into like being comfortable with, with the who I am. And it was like for real the first time where I saw uh, something I was passionate about, but I also saw something I was skilled at and I just pursued it. It was the one thing that if I failed in math, then I could always like, well, I'm not stupid. I can I can do this because I'm learning this other stuff music wise and that can help. Like I, so it just was a big confidence booster for me uh, growing up just simply because it was something I could always say that I, I could do well and I understood how to do something. So that love for like classical and jazz music, uh, it just kind of grew. I don't play uh, instruments any longer or, you know, anything pursuing it that in that way. But it was something that's always been like super meaningful uh, in my life. It, for any stage of it. That's so cool. I'd love to know if you're watching or listening uh, to the podcast, do you play an instrument? Did you play an instrument? Let us know. We'd love that. And I, I, I think you'd agree with me, Diana, that like, would you say that your musical background playing an instrument has helped you in getting in front of the camera? You used the word, you know, confidence. How, you know, mm. how would you say that's just kind of helped and shaped you? I could, I, I would say it didn't at all to be honest with you, <laughs> which <laughs> is the exact opposite, but it didn't help at all because when I would play my instrument in front of uh, audiences and even when I went to college and like the first performance, it's like in front of like 500 something people in the stadium and they were like, everybody falls and everybody 
um, like freezes up at some point. And I was like, that's not going to be me. We had done so much practice or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm going to feel I, I got this. And for sure enough, went through the years that I went through in college um, playing my instrument. I never fell and I never froze up being on, on the field. I just felt like myself. But that's with an instrument. My fingers and my brain is on one one accord. Now I have to get on camera and I have to talk. And I my voice is that instrument or what or what have you. There's nothing that I can do. I can't turn a word into another word to make like you can do with an instrument. And so I found like instrument stuff and, and just performing in that way is very different for me personally, uh, being super introverted and all of that when I'm doing speaking. And so video taught me how to still take what's on the inside and bring it out, but just in a different form. So I can pair it up in that way, but it didn't like help me feel better or more confident. Unfortunately, like being on camera, I still had to develop that skill over time. That's really interesting. I, I wonder whether it has had more of an impact than you kind of realize, but I, I do get what you're saying about the thing with an instrument is the, the instrument it kind of is like this in the way you can almost mm -hmm. hide behind it. Mm hmm you know, and I used to play the cello, so I was kind of hiding behind that. But then I learned singing. Singing was my thing. And like mm -hmm. with singing, it's like you're naked. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> there's just nothing there between you and your audience. And it's kind of got, mm -hmm. that is scary. Um, so, yeah, and we've got somebody. I can, unfortunately, I can't see who you are. We've got somebody in a Facebook group. Um, but Facebook, with all its um, permissions, is saying right, Facebook user. Right. But Always great seeing you live, Ian, my friend. But it's great to see. If you want us to be able to see who you are, just go to confident.live forward slash show my name. Confident.live forward slash show my name. And then we can see who you are. Um, but let's have a look at what you say here. Played my whole life. Played pretty much every instrument except the winds all by ear. Music helped me with my Tourette's growing up. Mm. A gift. Mm. And my son was in jazz band and marching band. And now he's at first year at Princeton and brought his... Is that a trumpet? I can't read. It looks like a trumpet. I'm not very good at my emoji readings, but anyway. it oh, it's like, Brian. It like it's Brian Shulman. Great to see you, Brian. <laughs> awesome. You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. We've got Diana Gladney as our guest on today's show. She's going to show us how to choose top cameras and lenses for live show. Top cameras and lenses for live. I really want to thrive. Top cameras and lenses for live show. Top cameras for live. Diana Gladney show us how. Show us how. Show us how. Well, um, what is, Dinah, what is, let's get into tech now. Uh, we've talked a lot about mindset, which is so, so important. But what is the most important tech when it comes to live stream? Is it your camera? Is it something else? Tell us. Uh, this is probably going to be pretty controversial because in comparative to the... <laughs> do, do we need a drum roll? No, no, no. So here we go. <laughs> it's going to be your microphone and your audio cable or audio, just your cables in general, your cable setups. That, that, that's not controversial on this show. That That is, okay. uh, that is 
But did you hear, see what I was doing? I was like, is it the camera? And I was waiting for you to disagree with me. (laughs) No, it's not. It's because most people think camera first, but in full sincerity, it's like you can use a webcam and be in a fairly well-lit situation or whatever. It's not, yeah, it's not going to be the best comparative to what's available uh, or even like your phone, but the audio and like your cabling system essentially is what makes this stuff happen to begin with because- if they can't hear you clearly, or if they're hearing you with any level of distortion, then that now translates into audio distraction and audio exhaustion. So it's hard for them to keep processing the what they're hearing. And that I'm saying like your cabling system, because that's what that's the legs to the whole thing. The camera gets a lot of shine, the lens and lights and all the big stuff gets to shine like it's the start of the show. And it honestly, it's not. It's the smaller stuff that people don't think about. They think um, you know, what camera and lens and do I need to buy what computer maybe do I need a Rodecaster Pro and all this other stuff. But if you ha- if your cables suck, it can't transfer any of that data or good looking image or audio to begin with. And so now it sucks. So <laughs> it's, all, it's definitely even as a video person, it's audio first. And then from there, like, make sure you have a, a system of stuff that works and you can pick and switch between any camera. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And it's I mean, you've got an amazing microphone there. You I see a lot of video people using shotgun mics or lapel mics. Mm-hmm. In your videos, do you ever use any of those or is it always this microphone that you're using? Uh, it, it depends on where I'm sitting. So if I'm sitting mm. in the back at the little settee, then at that point I'll use a shotgun microphone or more commonly a lapel microphone. And that really is dependent on the environment. Most people pick their audio sources based off of their comfort, but it really needs to be based on the uh, environment that you're in. So I live near a military base. There's, you know, at times jets and stuff flying over. So I need microphones and systems that reject background noise. Shotgun microphones don't do that. And so, and honestly, to any extent, once they get like really loud and I don't know what the heck they're doing over there, but it gets extremely loud at times. Nothing can negate the noise at that point. I don't care what noise gate, compression, blah, blah, blah. I primarily use this one because I'm not in a sound treated environment. This is my home office. And so I'm not putting foam and all this extra other stuff on the, on the wall. It probably would help to some extent, but it's nominal. So I invest in gear and equipment that helps with that. I primarily use this setup, but at times if I'm sitting on the settee, then I will use a lapel microphone because it sounds the best in this environment. So that's a dynamic microphone. Uh, what what type of micro? What is the microphone you're using? This is the Shure SM7B, and I am using it with the Fethead as well as the Rodecaster Pro. And there's some audio processing based on what's inside the Rodecaster Pro to produce uh, the voice sound that I have now. Uh, and I really like it because any you can put just about any voice on here and manipulate the microphone to make it sound best for them. So I, I really enjoy this one. Yeah, it's a great microphone and it looks good as well. So that's, it does. <laughs> that's which is important when it comes to video, uh, because a, a lot of people don't like the idea of the microphone being in shot, but mm. I think audio is absolutely vital. Uh, and I think you agree with me on that one. So 100%. you mentioned webcams. If we're just starting off and we don't have a big budget, would you say like, what, what are kind of a webcam's okay, you know, which webcam would should we go for um, if we've got a budget? 
Um, I think honestly, for from what most people would invest in for a webcam, the Logitech Brio gets a lot of love, uh, and there are some other ones that are very similar in comparison. To be honest with you, I would rather say use your phone in that instance because it honestly is better than what most of the stuff is on the market, and most people just honestly want a dedicated camera. Okay, well, to be honest, like comparative to the image on your phone that you're getting, especially those rear-facing cameras and you being able to hook that up, you'll get far better quality and performance out of those than just your general, even like the Logitech C920 gets recommended a lot. I mean, yes, it's fine. Even I owned one from way back in the day. If you want one, then sure, you could get a Brio and stuff like that. But uh, to be honest with you, those, those finances, even if it's like $130 or less, are better put towards a lighting system and some audio equipment to actually make you sound better. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, but if you're going live from your computer, that makes it a bit more difficult to use your phone. Uh, no, so, not any longer. So tell us, tell us more. <laughs> so, so you have software tools like Ecamm Live. You can connect that up via USB, or you could even use the uh, NDI. Uh, so I'm not going to get too technical, but there are multiple ways now that you can hook your phone up as well as software tools uh, or apps that are built in natively so that you can get like that clean HDMI or basically that clean feed from your phone. So, and that's connecting it to, and I'm, I'm not saying when I say, let me clarify, I am not telling you to use your phone for live streaming and there is no computer. I'm specifically saying to use your phone as the camera source when you are hooking into your computer. So it's not just your phone front facing screen, like as if you're traveling, that's okay in maybe that scenario. I'm specifically saying like, put your phone on a tripod above your laptop, if that's what you're using with some lighting and good audio and use that as your camera source and still use your other stuff with your, your computer. Mm, that's a great tip. Now I've actually just, I've just realized I've got my phone. Uh, it's not plugged in. It's I've got it on Wi-Fi using uh, some, an app called Epoch cam. So let's see what this mm. is like. I don't know if this is going to work. There we go. So yeah, that's kind of, how does that look? Gotta get the right it looks angle. pretty good with the lighting that you have. Yep. Yeah, but obviously lighting lighting's important, and obviously this is not on a web. Sure. This is not on a. Uh, you're gonna get sick now because it, it's, <laughs> it, it's not on a tripod. But that's that's a great mm -hmm. idea. So yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's things like Logitech C920, and there's the Bria. The Bria is quite expensive, isn't it? And I, th I think mm -hmm. I agree with you. Probably instead of spending like that, I don't know, is it that two hundred dollars, hundred eighty dollars? Mm -hmm. Instead of spending mm -hmm. it on that, spend it on decent audio and lighting just briefly on lighting i mean we we could spend a whole episode on lighting and I, mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna be totally honest with you lighting has always scared me it's it's something that i just i think because it seems more art than science in a way there is a science mm -hmm. to it but like with a camera i can just buy a camera and yes yeah. okay there's more to it i know we're going to talk about that but with and, and the same with audio but with with lighting it seems a little bit more kind of complicated. What's your view yeah. on lighting? So it's funny you say that. I was literally writing a blog post this morning about that. And so one of the things that I did, and this is very helpful for, uh, especially those if you wear glasses, if you don't, then you're fine. But that's the, the biggest thing. It's like, what am I going to look like on camera? And is that going to translate an image that looks accurate or at least, um, you know, a setup of what I want? When I'm thinking about lighting, I will use more lights uh, just simply because you need to be in a situation where you're controlling the light in your environment. A lot of people will get confused in this because they'll see all the options and try to mix some of all of them together. And then it looks like a disaster. When you're investing in lighting, 
that too also needs to be a system. I like a set of Viltrox lights that I use, which are small. Uh, you can put them two together and fit them in a laptop sleeve in your backpack and still have plenty of space. So they're small. They don't take up a lot of space. And I have one that's right in front of me and one that's off to the side. Anything else in the background, I could turn that stuff off if I wanted to, but it's more for aesthetics than anything else. There is a window off to my left, but the blinds are closed and they even have um uh, what do you call it, tent on them so that no additional light comes in. So when it comes to lighting, the biggest thing is understanding like, where am I going to sit? And now to get the look that I want, whether that's bright or just one light and it's really dark behind you, whatever you prefer, you have to think about the, the preference and the look that you're trying to get. Now, what do I need to pull that off? Most of the time you can start with two lights. One is in front of me, but it's not directly in front of my face. It's up and then it's pointing down so that that light is now softened using diffusion. So when it, when it comes to lighting, it's really just about following the basic principles. And that's hard because a lot of videos out there are getting into cinematography stuff. And what about the Rembrandt light? And I'm like, nobody cares about freaking Rembrandt. They just want to look good in their home <laughs> office or small bedroom. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, let's be real. It's like, we don't really care that much. I don't, I'm not trying to do what freaking Steven Spielberg or any of the rest of those guys do. I just want to look decent and good in my office. So for me, I always encourage you to get small LED light panels because most people are, are either operating where they need to set up and tear down or they're setting up in a situation where it can be stable, but they don't want it taking up a lot of a space. So Viltrox LED lights with the defuse pop-up softbox so that it's soft, it's diffusible, so you can adjust the, the temperature from it being uh, warmer or cooler. And you can also adjust the brightness. So if it's strong or, you know, softer, but between that and then just one on the side, I, my person is well lit and the background is, you know, lit by choice at that point. What's your view on uh, the Elgato key lights? Because obviously they're Don't a lot more them. expensive. Don't use them because yeah. it's uh, uh, the, the, the whole thing with that is that those are for gamers most of the time, gamers kind of don't care and they want the stronger lighting setups because they're going to use a green, sca- green screen so they can be on camera with the, the game or whatever it is that they're showcasing. And they just need to kind of be strong enough to light themselves and the background, uh, that, that green screen. So where most of the time for a green, st- green screen setup, you need a light, which you should do anyway, a light on the green screen and then a light on the talent. But they're so close, they're working in like a corner of a bedroom key light is just going to throw light. And so they don't really care that much on how they look. Well, that's not the case for most of us. The Elgato, Elgato key lights are, are smart in the sense that you can hook them up to the stream deck and all of that. But when you really think about your setup, they're harsh. Yeah, they have a frosted panel, but that's not going to help you with diffusion. You're too bright. It, and I literally, it's funny, I was talking about this in the, in the blog post. If you hold your hand up, can you see the details of your hand or does it look extremely bright where you can't make out the details, you can always tell if you're overexposed by looking at like this portion of your face. Uh, for those listening on a podcast, just around your nose and your forehead and stuff. If that's completely whited out, you can't see any detail, it's overexposed. And the key lights are known for that and you can't really diffuse them properly. They're too close. Uh, it, it just introduces more problems that you need to solve instead of being a problem solver initially. That's really interesting. And final question on lighting, your view on ring lights. Don't use them. Because it's for it's like, <laughs> and and I'm probably stepping on people's toes, and that's okay. 
because I, my, my whole thing is not to say, here's what I like and what you should use, but really based on for where the scenario that most people are in and the situation that they are trying to pull off. You now have where you have a ring light that is very bright and that mostly was introduced into the beauty space uh, because they are a beauty space and makeup space and stuff so that you can see the fine details of their face. It is extremely well lit so that when they're doing something around the eyebrow or whatever, you can see all of those little fine details and they're extremely bright. Problem with that is you have a similar to the key light, you have a ton of light directly on your face. So most of the time you're overexposed, which is why you see a lot of beauty uh, channels be have a super, super bright setup that may look nice until you're on the face and you don't want to look flat. You want to see the dimensions of your face. And that's just too much for what people are trying to do is better options that are, you know, not the ring light. Definitely. Definitely. Well, if you want to find out more about all of this, you can check out Diana's channel. Uh, but this is the Confident Live Marketing Show. We're talking about cameras and we'll, I want to ask Diana a little bit more about that now. You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Okay, so we've talked about lighting, we've talked about webcams, we want to level things up, and where would we go next? We, are we looking at the mirrorless, the DSLR type of cameras? Uh, tell us where we should go next. Okay, I'm going to step on a few toes here also. Don't <laughs> touch a DSLR now moving forward with a 10-foot pole. And these are not even because these are bad cameras or you can't get a great look out of them. But for the price that you're going to spend on one of the DSLRs, even if you bought them used, you could get a much better option that is going to solve the problems that a DSLR camera would introduce with just buying a mirrorless camera. And it's not because DSLRs are dead. It's the future kind of a talk or, or, or positioning. It really is about when you make an investment, it needs to now solve a problem for you not introduce more problems, especially when you're inexperienced and you're not really, you know, sure on all the stuff you should need or is it going to work? You have all of these different things. If this is not your space, I'm telling you, just get a mirrorless camera instead of a DSLR. And the and chief reason, you ever want to take one of those things out and record? They don't have Wi-Fi most of the time, so you can't connect it to your phone. They don't have uh, most of the time a, a modernized USB setup. So the streaming capabilities tend to be a little bit weak. They don't have clean HDMI most of the time. So you're again, stream capabilities are weak. Uh, in addition to uh, when, when you're getting ready to do videos separate from your live streaming setup computer. So I'm getting ready to travel here. And when I get ready to record, I don't want to have shh because the noise floor is too loud and it's introducing noise that I now need to figure out how to solve. So DSLRs are just not worth the investment uh, for video, in my opinion. Well, I think a lot of people don't, or maybe it's just me that, um, the, but the kind of people that I've been speaking to don't really know what the difference is between DSLR and mirrorless mm -hmm. and have even used those interchangeably. And uh, yeah. so, I mean, I suppose the, the difference is like, there's probably probably obvious in the name, mirrorless cameras don't have a mirror and DSLR is, you know, it's a digital single lens reflex. I mean, we don't need to go into the, in, into the details, but you've, you've mentioned that mirrorless is the way. So I, we were joking before we started that I, I, I watched a lot of your YouTube videos and you were really into the Canon M50 at the time. And that's what mm -hmm. I got and really happy with it. Uh, but that's not what you use anymore. 
what's what are you using now and what would be your recommendation for people who are starting now it's not to say the the n50 is a bad camera and i'm sure you'd agree with that but uh mm-hmm. things have changed and, and tell us a little bit more about what you're you're using at the moment Sure. So the camera that I would recommend for most people that are getting started is the new Sony ZV E10. That's the model number. So the reason why I recommend this one is because you still get, you know, this flip out screen that everybody loves comes all the way out. So you can see yourself very similar to how the M50 operates. You still have a a wide array of lenses between multiple varying price ranges. So that Sony E mount, you only need to see E mount and then you pick anyone that you want. And then also you have a microphone, as well as a headphone port. You have unlimited recording. You have 4K up to 30 frames per second, which just means super high quality and resolution. 1080p, 120 frames per second. So those that like watching anything in slow motion or doing stuff in slow motion like Peter McKinnon or Matty Hapoya, you can do that kind of stuff. It has clean HDMI out for live streaming, as well as live streaming via USB, even natively through Ecamm. And you just have a, it has internal charging. So it has a lot of different stuff uh, that are are really, really neat that you can use it basically as the best bang for your buck um, for any of those cameras in like that five to seven hundred dollar price range coming in at six ninety nine US is the best camera that you can buy right now that has all that stuff. It's cameras that cost more that don't have all that stuff in it. Yeah, that's the camera that I've got my uh, my eyes on. That's probably the next camera I will get. Uh, now, you've mentioned microphones Mm-hmm. You, I mean, so I suppose that would be for not not for live streaming. With live streaming, you're currently using a separate microphone. But I do know people that plug in or plug in a microphone into their. Well, it would have been their M50 or, mm-hmm. or this new Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, can you do either? I mean, what would you recommend when it comes to the the sound? So I honestly like it because uh, similar to the Sony ZV-1, which was like a little baby sister, if you will, to this camera. Uh, the reason why I like it is because when you have, uh, as you, for those that you can see, that you can, if those of you can, if you're listening on the podcast, it's a, what's called a shotgun microphone. One of those ones that you see sitting on top of the camera. The reason why I like this is because even when you're traveling and you need to connect via USB for live streaming, Sony is one of the only brands I've experienced where you actually can get audio through the USB. Unfortunately, that wasn't something that was available on any other cameras that I've experienced. So ZV-1, the ZV-E10, you can use it if you're traveling. And I honestly do. It's just a matter of what do you need and what scenario are you in? Best option, best, you know, at home setup, clean HDMI, and then you're using a dedicated microphone. If you're traveling, you're still going to get great audio with that kind of a setup, um, even if you're using the one on board. But that at that point, is a proximity issue you need to be at least within two feet of that microphone for them to pick up good audio at that point yeah and that's kind of what we were talking about before about the pros and cons mm-hmm. of shotgun microphones and dynamic microphones so that's cool now we've got two options you mentioned usb you mentioned hdmi and you mentioned clean hdmi now we, mm-hmm. we have talked about this that on this show before but it's probably it has been a while so i'd love you to explain to us <laughs> the difference what is clean hdmi is it basically uh, hdmi that doesn't say uh, anything offensive i mean tell us a bit more about that <laughs> so uh, hdmi is clean hdmi is where you're taking the small HDMI port that's in your camera, and you're connecting that to transfer that image to the computer. Well, dirty HDMI is where you have all of the icons, you see the exposure, you see the autofocus box, and uh, on the CVE-10, you see the eye autofocus box following you around, and that's dirty. The screen is completely filled up with all of these icons. Now, it should be available for you to see on the camera kind of a deal, 
but you should not see that stuff when you're live streaming. Nobody wants to see the eye autofocus all day long. So that's what clean HDMI is. It removes those different icons, but allow you to produce that image. That was one of the biggest uh, frustrations and things on the wish list that I had for the M50 if they came out with a newer version, which they did introduce, was to have that clean image so we don't have to do any hacks or workarounds to get that to work. Now via USB, you don't have to, to worry about that in this uh, new ZVE 10. You have where you can connect the USB-C directly to your computer and just live stream that way. So both are good options. I actually rather enjoy streaming via USB when traveling, but if I'm at home, I'm going to get, I'm going for the gold. I want the best of the best with honors and that's going to be HDMI. That's great. I love the way you explain that. You you have a gift of making things really simple, <laughs> which is great. So like with, with the, if you have a camera that has clean HDMI, that's great. Uh, you can't plug it directly into the computer. You need something in between, don't you? And what would you recommend mm -hmm. uh, as that kind of interface? Uh, I, I wish I could be in partnership with Elgato for as many of these as I recommend, <laughs> but it's the Elgato Cam Link. And that is going to take that HDMI image from your camera. It will connect to, well, let's say, let's describe this. You have your camera, you have a small HDMI cable that now comes out of your camera. You connect in the Cam Link. And now you have that where it's transferring it to USB, which goes into your computer or to your docking station. And that's how you get the image from your camera to your computer. So the Cam Link is the best one. To be honest, I have their 1080p version that's four plus years old. I recently just upgraded to the 4K, not because anything was wrong with it, but just so I had, you know, give it a break and get the newer one. So Elgato Cam Links is the way to go. You will see those $10, $15 joints from whatever random brands on Amazon, but you got to be careful about that. Like you got to think, how many thousands of dollars are you getting paid to talk, do interviews and the time that people are investing to watch the show? Do you really want, you know, where you look kind of purple or look kind of green and some of those overheated and they would just cut out? It's just not worth it uh, when you think about it. I mean, think about you, you investing with a hundred bucks, 120 bucks, maybe for a cam link that'll last you years and have consistent performance. I, I just think that exchange in the value is worth it than like a $20 every month you need a new one kind of a deal. Yeah. And it's, it is difficult because all these things do cost money, but you know, if, mm -hmm. if you're struggling with this, you don't need to go for these more expensive cameras, start off with a simple webcam or, or your phone. You know, that's what we were talking about before. But if you have got the budget, I agree with you, Dana, just, uh, it's best to invest in, in the tech that's going to be reliable and that's going to last. And when you plug, presumably when you plug in, uh, it's been a while since I've actually used my 4K because my uh, I've got a Camlink 4K too, but mm -hmm. um, I just use USB most of the time. Mm -hmm. But presumably it just pops up as a webcam on whatever software you're using. If you're using Zoom or uh, Ecom Live, it will pop up as the Camlink 4K. Is that how it works? So uh, the, the Camlink 4K, yes, it, it works the exact same way uh, as honestly any capture card. Uh, all it will, all you will see is that when you go to your camera sources, once you have this connected into your computer, it will see, it will say Camlink 4K, and that's the option uh, that you'll choose in your computer, and that's exactly what I'm using right now. And is there much of a difference in your experience between uh, using the clean HDMI on your like your Sony camera? Uh, or USB. It says you say you use USB when you're out and about. Uh, yeah. Could we just get get away with USB, or or is the HDMI sure. does it have a bit of an edge? Does it is it a little so, bit better? Oh yeah. So it's a, the the biggest difference is if I'm using USB, I'm usually planning to stream like an hour, hour and a half or less, and that's mostly like traveling. I'm in the hotel room 
or maybe I'm an event or something like that and we want to set up real quick, then that's what I'm using. But the problem with that is you're using that USB port and yes, you can, you know, get some power from the whatever it is that you're using. But I really don't like to to do that because it's much simpler, especially for a stable at home unit setup to have an AC power. So I always have unlimited power without fail. And the HDMI also allows me to record internally. This is on specifically the Sony cameras. I can record internally and live stream at the same time. And that comes in very helpful because we produce a lot of micro content uh, in my business. So we don't necessarily have to wait for somebody to give us our finished version of the talk or whatever. We already have that. So we're good to go. So it's just more options. Uh, Power delivery and stuff like that is better when you have a dedicated audio source, an audio source, but a AC source, the power source versus just kind of playing around with that all internally, internally in the camera. But it's good. You can get away with it. Oh, it's just not something I want to rely on long term. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I didn't know that about the Sony that it we, you got the ability to record as well as on the SD card, as well as stream. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you've got the AC power as well. Presumably, it's like a dummy battery that you plug in. Is that how it works on the on the Sony? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So what happens is it's it for those because some people get confused. Like, mm. why would I want a battery that doesn't have anything on the inside? <laughs> and basically, instead of it being those power cells in a battery that kind of gives it that weight, you'll notice that the dummy battery is hollow. It only has the electrical connections, which is why a cable is attached because it's getting power from the wall instead of, or a battery bank, depending on what you use, it's getting power from there instead of um, uh, the cells directly in a battery. So that you're just exchanging the cable for those little you know, battery cells. Imagine like putting two AA batteries in a case. That's what that battery is. Cool. So there's two more things just before we just seen the time. And uh, it's like, my goodness, what's happened? Uh, I do want to talk about lenses. But before we talk about that, uh, there's two other, well, there's the issue about uh, overheating that I've heard some cameras will tend to overheat. And then there's the other issue. And you created a hilarious video. I think it might have been an Instagram Reels about uh, the time when they shut off after like 29 Mm -hmm. minutes and whatever it is. So tell us a bit more about those issues. And does the Sony sort out those issues? For sure. So <laughs> I know exactly what's real that you're referencing. <laughs> uh, and what that is, is basically just like a skit to play on certain scenarios that we will experience. With most brands, Canon, Canon was the one that was the culprit in that video, where at 29 minutes and 59 seconds, your camera, when you're recording, is going to go to sleep. It, it won't stay up past that. It'll stop and it'll just be done. Or if you're live streaming, trying to do that through USB with a camera that like the M50 that the Mark one, that doesn't have clean HDMI out. You'll notice that it, it just kind of goes to sleep. The, the screen goes blank, completely black. Well, that's at 29 minutes and 59 seconds. The Sony cameras, um, you're looking at the eight specifically model numbers. If these are foreign to you, that's okay. But just so you have it as reference, you have the ZV-1, ZV-E10, A6100, 6600, uh, A6400, A7C, pick any of the more recent ones, honestly, since like 2019. They all have clean HDMI out. They don't overheat. You can record internally while live streaming via HDMI. Uh, You can even get audio via USB for those that have the uh, live streaming in it in that way, ZV-1, A7C, and uh, ZV-E10. So it's fantastic. It solves that problem. They They don't go to sleep at 30 minutes. That's what we want. We don't want any of those those old headaches. So... Mm -hmm. Do we buy these cameras with the kit lens 
or do we buy it body only and go for some other fancy lens that you're going to tell us about? <laughs> so uh, again, this is where I kind of differ from a lot of educators uh, in the video space. I tell you, you get the kit lens and two reasons for that. Number one, when you resell your camera or you trade it in, let's say you want to get something different in two or more years, then your, your resale value is increased because it includes the kit lens. Most people, when they're new and they're wanting to buy a camera in general, they want a lens with it. You're only getting a body only kind of setup if you know for sure the lenses that you want. But I always recommend for those getting started to get the kit lens. And the second reason behind that after the resale value is because when you sit down, you don't know what focal length of a lens that you need to get a look that you want. The kit lens will help you to do that. So for the Sony cameras, it's 16 to 50 millimeters. Those numbers mean nothing to somebody that's new to video. But you do know when you zoom in and you see the number pop up, what do you need to get the framing that you want? And you may say, well, that's 20 millimeters and that's the look that I want for where the tripod is gonna sit and all of that. Then at that point, I suggest you go out and buy a specific lens that matches the, the what specifications of what you're trying to do, usually like $300 or so. And now you have one, a higher resale value if you ever decide to get rid of some of this stuff or whatever, um, or switch whatever the path may be for you, but you more or less are not gonna have to waste your time in trying to figure out that this lens is the wrong one, send it back. This one is the wrong one, send it back. You don't have any use in between that. So it's just a lot of unnecessary steps that you can skip by getting a kit lens with, with your camera. Yeah, I, I think that's really great advice. But is there a particular lens or, or a lens manufacturer that you would recommend? You know, when it comes to, you, you've recommended the Sony, uh, I can never remember the, the, the name of it. ZV-E10. Yeah. Z, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, yeah, as we said in the UK, ZV Eternal or whatever. Z oh yes, pardon me. But, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, we, we we speak we speak both American and British. But like, um, so like I, I see a lot of people recommend Sigma. I mean, what would you would you tend to go for Sigma or like a Sony lens? Does it matter? Uh, and how do we get? I mean, you get this question a lot. How do you get that nice blurred background, that bokeh or bokeh, so, whatever, however you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the correct pronunciation. It's like bokeh, but I say bokeh too. So um, the, the thing is that I don't necessarily recommend just general, like if you get this camera, you got to get this lens. Most commonly you'll see, which is actually even on the camera right now, is what's the Sigma 16 millimeter lens f 1.4 uh, that will give you the blurry background. Anytime you're trying to get a blurry background, you want that number on the front, that F, you're looking for that lowercase F on the front of the lens with a number next to it. Uh, that usually uh, is a decimal. So, or it could be a whole number, whatever. But you're looking for something that is F2.0 or lower, especially on a, a, a camera body similar to the ZV-E10, because that will give you the blurry background. This lens often gets recommended because for most people set up, they're in a small space, but they want it to look wide and they're going to be relatively close. So they don't want it to be, you know, super zoomed in and only their head and a, a snippet of their neck is, is in the frame. So the Sigma 16 is a good brand. Tamron makes good, great lenses. Sony makes great lenses. You'll find a lot of manufacturers. Those are my top three uh, when it comes to picking one. But I, I usually don't just have like a generalized lens that you should get because I encourage people to figure your out, figure out your focal length. Because for some people, that may be 30 millimeters, not 16. And now you're like, well, that's way too wide. And you can use a feature called clear image zoom in the camera that'll let you digitally zoom in on the sensor. But that gets to be too much. I'm trying to save you steps from the frustration instead of like 
do a couple Google searches, get the right stuff the first time, like buy right or buy it twice. That's that's my model. Love that. We don't want any of that frustration. And if you want to be less frustrated, the best place to go, of course, is Diana's website, which is dianagladney.com, or of course, her YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Diana Gladney on on the YouTubes and you'll find all of these things. And I've got, you've got all these things, camera settings made easy, YouTube uh, for business, uh, glare-free videos, and you've got something on the ZV1 there and loads of stuff mm -hmm. there. So definitely check that out. Um, is, is that the best place for people to find you? Are, are you, uh, where's, where's the best place for people to follow you on the socials? Yeah, the um, if you're really wanting to connect, Instagram is my jam, so at Dinah Gladney there. But you can generally find me on any of these platforms at Dinah Gladney, but dinahgladney.com is the best place to go. That's awesome. And you definitely need to check out Dana's Instagram reels and stuff and uh, check out that one. I'm going to try and find that and see if I can embed that on uh, the, the show oh, notes gosh. for this uh, because it's great fun. And yeah, this the show notes for this episode will be at iag.me forward slash 139, iag.me forward slash 139. Thank you so much, Dana. It's been great to have you on the show. I really appreciate it because I know you're very busy. Uh, thank you very much. Awesome. It's been such an honor to be here. It's been great. Well, thank you so much for watching, for listening, for plugging us into your ears. Do check out the podcast at iag.me forward, uh, forward slash podcast, if I can remember it. There you go. It's the end of a show and my brain's already starting to kind of go to mush. So that's it for today. And until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Make sure you subscribe at iag.me forward slash podcast so you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo. We've got Diana Gladney as our guest on today's show. She's going to show us how to choose top cameras and lenses for live show. Top cameras and lenses for live. I really want to thrive. Top cameras and lenses for live show. Top cameras for live. Diana Gladney show us how. Show us how Show us how